the more people know about us, they can know us, and then we can have a lot of options. Everything gets cheaper when you're not needing it right now. If you're doing anything worthwhile in life, you should be on the internet talking about it. And if you're not, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. The more you put yourself out there, the more negative feedback you get, but you also get a lot of positive stuff. If he's Dimitri's favorite content creator and roofing, you know he's doing something right. Andy Keys, Foxhaven Group. We're talking about going from rehab to single owner operator to 31 employees, which is different stories, right? Like obviously even being a single owner operator, respect to those of you out there, uh, but there's a certain point where you have to say, hey, is this just gonna be a job to me or am I gonna turn this into something repeatable with processes and stuff like that? So we'll talk about processes. We're not just gonna talk about drug addiction and redemption. However, we will talk about that a little bit. Um, but first I wanna start with this question. Why does Dimitri say that you're his favorite content creator? I know it's hard to analyze that a little bit, but if you had to guess, why do you think he really loves your content? Yeah, when he posted that that morning, he posted it at like eight in the morning and I saw it, like Dimitri tagged you in a post and I read it. I'm like, what's he talking about? He didn't like tell me that ever face to face or through a message. He just put it out on Facebook. And then <laughs> I, I found out the same way you did. Uh, he's visited us twice. We get along well. We both work out. Uh, he likes my story. He likes the drug past. Uh, I think he sees that I view my business in the correct way. Like I care about my employees. I care about treating my customers right. Uh, and I built like a, a organization with a strong foundation. And now he sees the way my business is posting content every day uh, and not drone shots of a roof, you know, not uh, like boring content. We're posting valuable stuff for homeowners. Uh, so that's probably why. But I did just start like the personal brand side where I just want to talk about everything I learned. Talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about, the drugs. Not a lot of people have had the drug history. So, you know, that's an interesting part of my story. So I can't say for sure. I just think he sees what we're doing and he likes it. Why go the route of the personal brand? Why build that out a little bit more? Uh, so this is funny because I talk to people and they see my videos and they're like, oh, you must love being on camera. And I hate it. I, I'm not that type of guy. I've never had social media my whole life. I've never been active on social media. I'm like a private guy. Uh, I made a Facebook a couple of years ago to manage my Facebook business page. That's the only reason I made a personal Facebook, uh, but I didn't really use it. I just got to the point where I feel like if you're doing anything worthwhile in life, you should be on the internet talking about it. Mm. Uh, and if you're not, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot or you're not even going after a big opportunity. Yeah, um, I get that a lot too. Like people are like, man, you're, you must love this. And I, I do to a certain degree, probably like 10% of the content that I put up that I'm like, maybe that look, makes me look cool or sexy or something like that. Like you're, you're a handsome guy. Like maybe, maybe it's good for that or something. Like that. But then no. Most 90% of it is just like me chugging away because I know that's good for my business and my life. And yeah. I put out way more than maybe is necessary, but it's like, I've always been that 10 X guy. You know what I mean? Well, not always as we were talking about at the beginning, but since, you know, like getting sober and, and getting into business, I've, I've been that 10 X guy, got really into Grant Cardone, got really into Gary V. And from my point of view, they why, why does anyone do a lot of something? Why does anyone try to be a high performer in a particular area? We want more options. You know what I mean? Like I tell my employees, like 
you get, the more you are a high performer, the more you push, the more you actually like level up our systems and processes, you can have any job in this company you want, including mine. I don't want to be the CEO forever. You know what I mean? Like I, to me, it's options. We do these things in large amounts because of its options. I think the same goes for content creation. The more connections and relationships we have, the more people know about us, they can know us. And then we can have a lot of options as far as networking. And like, man, I've gotten so many more options and so many more relationships because I put myself out there way more than is comfortable. Not fun half the time. Half the time I'm like, God, it's not fun to get insults and negative comments on YouTube and on Instagram and people chirping me at 7 a.m. on a Sunday and I'm looking at like, damn, dude, I'm just chilling with my family. What are you doing? You know, like the more you put yourself out there, the more negative feedback you get, but you also get a lot of positive stuff. Right. Yeah, I don't like it. A lot of times I know we're behind on videos and I need to make videos and I'll just schedule the time with my video person and she'll show up and I'm not in the mood to do it. I don't know what I'm going to talk about, but I schedule the time with her. She shows up and I just do it. I more see it as like, it's required at this point and I have to do it, but I don't even necessarily enjoy it or like it. I don't like taking pic. I don't like people taking pictures of me. Uh, and it's just funny because I found out people usually see a guy like me that's making consistent videos and think, well, I'm not cut out for it because like, he must love it. But like, no, I don't like it either. I'm just yeah. doing what's required, basically. Yeah, it's like uh, same with speaking, dude. Like if I, I think speaking is a great opportunity whenever you get those options to go speak to people, whether it's your ideal customers, the best, if it's like a bunch of customers or referral partners in a room, right? Um, or whatever it happens to be, because like it's to me, it's like door knocking. Like I tell our customers to door knock around jobs. I tell our clients, like, please door knock the six pack or the 12 pack. Please do job site branding, all that stuff. But that's to me speaking. I hate it. Like when I get up there, I'm like, ah, like I feel it, but I try to do some push ups beforehand and get pumped up or something. Um, yeah, it's, you just do what you're supposed to do. You know what I mean? And like when I say supposed to, I just arbitrage. What's arbitrage? Video, like talking to 100 customers at one time, that's arbitrage. <laughs> Speaking, arbitrage. Like there's a bunch of like things where it's like, if I'm talking to 100 people at once, that's like an arbitrage. So I'm looking for those all the time. What's the, what's the advantage um, to get the word out about my services and about what I'm doing? And, and you know, now personal brand for you probably is going to help with recruiting. Right. For sure. For sure. All right. Next question. I've got having come out of rehab to then building a 31 person company. How does the idea of redemption play into how you see your life story? Well, you said something earlier, you know, you used to be a piece of shit. You were lazy. <laughs> we're talking about watching Netflix. Like, I, and I was that way. My dad had a roofing company. Um, he never wanted me to be a roofer. And coming up just early on, I got into drugs and partying real early. Like I remember being 16 years old and telling all my friends, I love drugs. I'm going to do them forever. Like I used to say <laughs> that with my lips. Uh, so obviously being that type of kid, you know, college isn't going to work out. I had no real drive for a career. Everyone's starting to go on and move on with their lives, like, you know, late teens, early 20s. Uh, and I'm just I'm just doing drugs and getting fucked up. Uh, that's all I wanted to do. That's all I cared about. I didn't care about a career. I knew I didn't want to work in an office. And because nothing ever worked out, I always ended up roofing for my dad because that was something I could always go back to. 
So like I did a short stint in college, failed out. Um, did some, I did an internship at a, a casino in Atlantic City. Uh, that went bad because I was a drug addict and I couldn't show up every day. So I always ended up roofing for my dad. So like in the process of being a fuck up, I learned how to do roofing, even though he didn't want me there. Uh, but I was a loser. I was unmotivated. I was lazy. Um, I just like to do drugs and watch Game of Thrones and just <laughs> skip on myself. It's a true story. Um, and then the drugs got so bad that, you know, I started going to rehabs. I started trying to get my shit together. And I think that whole process made me like an animal in business. But I didn't have like the obsessive, hardworking tendencies as a kid. Like I, I didn't, I just didn't have. Uh, but getting out of my last rehab and being like fed up with the way my life was, being fed up with being homeless, just like embarrassed and like shameful of who I was, I just had to make something work. I mean, I got out of a rehab in a new city in a new state, and the only way I knew how to make money was roofing because that's the only thing I really ever did. Can you tell me real quick, homeless? How homeless were you? That's living in my car in Riviera Beach, Florida. How long like did you do months. that for? Six months. Okay. Because one time I did two weeks kind of it from the car and from the bicycle, and then I said I was homeless. And I, don't know if I, could, I don't know if I should claim that because it yeah, wasn't I mean, six months. I was taking showers at like the public shower at the beach. I okay, wasn't so under, you were legit, legit. I wasn't legit. under a bridge, and I never panhandled. Yeah, uh, I did. Well, a lot I definitely of panhandled. I'll be real because we had guitars. So that was the only other. <laughs> I did a lot of grimy stuff for money, but I never panhandled. But I did okay. live in my car. I was showering at the beach and I had a job at the time, too. I was doing uh, fire alarm installs and like big commercial projects. You just needed that money for stuff besides a house. I was making 1800 a week and I was living in my car. Yeah. Uh, so that just shows you like the choice of a drug addict. Like I could save this money and pay rent somewhere or I could get really fucked up on Friday and then be a scumbag for the rest. Not to be triggering or anything, but what was your drug of choice? Heroin. Okay. Heroin. It started off with Oxycontin in high school um, and kind of stayed pills up until I was like 20, 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, the money runs out, heroin's cheaper and that's just, that's where everybody goes. Well, yeah, I mean, not to make this about me, but just to, you know, give a little context. So two band members from my, my band down in Texas have passed away now, um, and heroin was a big part of that process. It was weird, man, being in, in a band, and, like, we rescued one of the guys from a hospital, rescued, to come play a show, and he still had, like, the, the IV in his leg and stuff like that. So it was grimy back then too for me and i never got i never got into it i was scared they were they didn't make it look that sexy if i'm honest with you <laughs> yeah but i was definitely drinking so much that i like was kind of i was it was screwing up my life so um but yeah so talking about this redemption you know i believe in redemption you know like i believe and i don't even know if it has to be always like super religious i think Anyone giving us a shot, anyone giving me a shot after all the stuff that I did and dishonesty and being, as I mentioned, a piece of shit, um, it's kind of crazy that people would give me a shot again. Like, for instance, my family. And it took years, dude. No one believed me for a while, but years. And now I get to like have my family, uh, you know, for Thanksgiving and how big of a difference 
people relate to me now, to me, that's redemption. And to me, even just people in general rooting for me is different than it used to be. Um, do you feel like you have your family and people rooting for you now and what you're doing in this business? Or do you still feel like you're struggling against kind of that stigma that happens when we are? No, it's definitely, it's definitely everybody's rooting for me. Everybody's yeah. proud of you. Uh, I kind of fell off the face of the earth. When I moved from Philly to Florida, uh, I just disappeared for my whole life. So like I didn't <laughs> talk to family, friends, anybody from my previous life I no longer talked to. And I pretty much disappeared. Uh, and I just, I just started roofing. That's why I love the roofing industry. Like as far yeah. as people giving you an opportunity, if you go into a roofing office and you tell them, you know how to do roofing, they're, they're probably going to give you a shot. Cause it's, yeah. uh, yeah. and I love that about roofing. Like, you know, in a lot of ways, I don't want to call us misfits, but like, if I look at my company, like, uh, you know, a lot of us have an interesting checkered past, uh, and we kind of changed our lives in the roofing industry. Like the roofing industry gave us a shot. Yeah. And we grew up, we became mature and now we're good, honorable people doing the right thing. Uh, even though we came from where we came from, I, I feel like, I feel like that's unique to the roofing industry. Maybe. Oh, 100% man. Like yeah. you show up with drug issues or tattoos all over you, or you're even a little just socially not super uh, good at social situations. I feel like roofing embraces people with open arms. And it's like, the beauty of it is, I always say this, but even just as like somebody installing roofs, because I installed roofs, I was on drugs. Like I, I, installed, I don't know, fuck. <laughs> Back in the day in Florida, I actually do not, I, I don't claim all that because I don't barely, rem I barely remember any of it, to be honest with you. I couldn't tell you, yeah. But I remember being on roofs and like, I remember the good vibe and I remember them being accepting and I remember, that's what I remember. Like, honestly, like, and as I got back, like when I started a marketing agency and started to serve some roofers, I just like that good vibe continued and they didn't judge me. And they, they, I think judge quality of work. I mean, that's what it comes down to is like, it's not as like with, I think about interior remodelers and they have to be in the home with the homeowner so much. And there's so much like, ah, is this person like a little, iffy and so they might judge you and tell the office hey we got a guy who's you showed up and he smelled like cigarettes or whatever it's like but with roofing it's just not as big of a deal <laughs> it's not, it doesn't matter quite as much so you get you get a little bit more fringe characters and you get a little bit more opportunity to do good work and then judge by the quality of your work you could have issues but if you do good work you will have opportunities. And I think that that's like why I think it's a particularly forgiving industry. Contractors love the catch-all because it makes every single one of their roof builds easier and more profitable. Protective netting wraps facade and landscaping to prevent from left behind nails and damage. Homeowner referrals bring you more jobs and insurance supplements bring you more profits. But my favorite part, the branding. When I got out of rehab, I worked for local roofers in the area for a little bit before I started a company. I didn't just start a company right away. Mm -hmm. And the first roofer I had gotten a job for, I was one month out of rehab. I built a crew out of an AA meeting out of a bunch of guys that had never been on a roof before. Yeah. We were doing roofs for this guy for two weeks, <laughs> and I had a court date in Philadelphia coming up. And two weeks into my brand new job, I went in the office and I told him about it. I said, hey, listen, I got, you know, I, I got court in Philly coming up. 
my lawyer says that it would really help me out if like you were able to write me a letter, you know, saying how good of an employee I am and how valuable I am. I've been there two weeks, <laughs> but we were, we were getting roost on for him. So he wrote the letter. He made me look good. He was like a character witness for me and it helped me out. I love that. Oh my God. I feel like roofing is full of stories like that. And I, I just, you know, it's mostly going to be roofers watching this and I'll just say like this, uh, you know, keep it going, keep going, keep forgiving people. Keep, I mean, and obviously sometimes that comes back to bite you. For sure. <laughs> you know, like, we have, but it's just, I love that we're, you know, roofing is like that. Um, as you went into that single person company, as you started the company, what were some things that you learned those first few months or maybe few years um, that you utilize now in the business, you know, being 31 people? Yeah, I took a big step back when I started the company uh, because I was kind of operating like a subcontracting crew. So like I had my own crew, I was working for other roofers doing their jobs. And then I started the company, got the license, got all set up and had no work. Like the license doesn't come with jobs attached to it. Uh, so I dropped all my employees. I got a Thumbtack account and I got my van and I just went and did repairs by myself. Uh, so that's how I started the company. Just mm. the roof guy. I was just doing how long? When was that, by the way? What year was that? 2018. 2018. And what Thumbtack was booming at that point. Yeah, it was great. And I was really quick because I had no employees. I had nothing to do. I didn't have a lot of work. So like if I got a thumbtack lead, I was probably at their front door in 15 minutes. Yes. Uh, I feel so like I that, was, that's like a good note for anyone trying to work one of these lead aggregator type things. Like if you can be really quick, like I've seen people like my friend who is like doing more handyman type stuff and on Angie or when it was Angie's list, I think, or one of those, he was just bang, bang, bang. And for some reason that works really well as small jobs, things like that. Like I, that's why it gets confusing. Cause then when people later on are like, well, does Angie work? It's a little bit different if you're like, you know, slow or right. if, like in, in full roofing jobs, obviously that's different. That's a different world. Selling repairs is way different than selling re-roofs though. Yeah. So if, if I come to a repair lead from Thumbtack, and I knock on the door and I'm like, I'm Andy, I'm your roof guy. I'm going to get up on your roof, see what the problem is. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to fix it. That is way different than selling a $30,000 roof replacement where you're competing oh, yeah. for other companies as the yeah. little guy I was back then. Yeah. So I was selling roofs, but I wasn't, I was selling repairs, but I wasn't selling full roofs because I was just the roof guy. I didn't have like yeah. professional proposals. I didn't look professional. My truck wasn't wrapped yet. I was just a guy in a van. So the higher the you guy, don't need the that. you don't need any of that when you're selling a little boom, yeah. like a quick fix, like quick fixes are, I mean, people will all want to, everyone wants to buy a quick fix. Right. So I had to learn how to present myself as a professional company before yeah. I was able to actually sell roofs. But eventually all the repairs I did in the first year just turned into referrals for roofs. You know, mm -hmm. some of the repairs I actually did, I replaced the roof on that house or their neighbor. So that's kind of how I built the company, was just referrals based on the repairs I did early on. Um, once I got to the point where I could bring a full-time crew doing roofs every day, I still roofed with them, which is a big mistake because I was the roof guy. So like I, I emphasized the quality. I thought I was the best roofer. I thought if we my company was going to be doing roof jobs, I had to be the crew foreman and I had to be the one on the roof. Uh, and that was like a big struggle for me to let the roofing go. I have a, I have a, I think a question I think about all the time. 
that I haven't asked it to a roofing company owner, which is as you pulled out of that and you had to let go a little bit, how did you try to create still some semblance of the quality? What is your system for like enforcing the quality on those other crews now that you're not there? What what did you learn that could make callbacks less likely or whatever? Well, first, I was roofing with that crew that I eventually let go. So we had kind of already been doing it my way. Uh, but the quality did go down a little, and you just have to be prepared for that. And if something yeah. gets screwed up, you have to pay to fix it. Mm-hmm. But you're releasing yourself from the job is going to make it worth it. And any, then eventually, any systems or anything that you did though that made like those having to fix stuff less likely or over time. I mean, I'm guessing you guys have like you vet your crews. Like, what do you do that kind of um, helps? I don't. Ha- I don't have a good system for you, man. <laughs> I roof with those guys. They yeah. learn with me. And then I let them loose and that's it. I don't have a good system. I feel like there's good crews and there's bad crews. Yeah. Like there's plenty of crews in any market that really care about the work, that do a good job, that are experienced, that are fast. Uh, I think it's more about finding a good crew rather than finding a bad crew and putting systems on them to make Ah, them that's good. That's good. You know, and if the good crews want to work for the good companies too, so that's important. So, like, if you have a big presence in your area, the good crews will want to work for you because they know you're organized. They know you're going to keep them busy every day. They know it's an easy place and a consistent place to work. Yeah. Uh, the online stuff helps with the crews more than anything, like creating consistent content because roofers watch roofing content. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I would guess that every roofer in my area knows who we are. We get calls to the office asking if we have work all the time. And, you know, we usually have to turn them down. You, know, you yeah. can't put everybody to work. I have so many jobs. Join the future of roofing at offers.roofle.com. Stand out, save time, earn more. Absolutely. Um, as you get to this place that you're at now, um, 31 plays, what are you learning right now? What are you hoping to learn this next year? What's like your point of emphasis? 100% mark. 100% marketing right now. Every year it's different. We've doubled every year since I started. So every year there's like a certain evolution that we've made or a certain thing we've added that's allowed us to double the year after. Mm-hmm. So this year I know that it's marketing. This is the first year I'm not number one in sales in my company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I, I drove sales pretty much the whole time. Uh, but this year we were still able to double and I didn't lead number one in sales. So I'm kind of like pulling away from sales and just making sure, you know, to keep the pipeline full with the market. So I'm trying to become a marketing expert. Most of my time is focused on marketing right now. Awesome. Well, it sounds fun. I love marketing. I feel like marketing is just sales at scale, I always say. Um, and the more we can kind of give our pitch and, and content. Content, obviously, I, mostly I'm just content. And then I give the pitch and little nuggets here and there. But at to many people at once, it just gives your skills a broader audience, right? And like, you know, I say scale your best closer on video. You know, the 
people people sometimes they're like, we want to do video. Let's have the intern do it. Or like, let's have this person who's fresh out of college be the face of the company. It's like, how about you take some time one day a month or whatever and record the person who closes the most deals? <laughs> That's good advice. Yeah. That's good advice. That's how we did it, but not on purpose. Just like if I was the best salesperson we had, I'm the one that made the videos because I own the company. Yeah, but that that's really good advice because that that person's the best closer for a reason. They're likable. People yeah. like them. People trust them. They're a good speaker, so they're going to do well on video. So that's that's good advice. What are you uh, What are you most excited? About? So within marketing, what are you most like? You're looking at and you're like, this will be fun this next year to get really into. Just kind of curious. Uh, we're mess. I'm messing around a lot with Facebook ads right now, and like you just said. I'm not even running salesy Facebook ads. We're running like our best videos that make us look good, mm -hmm. that would make customers like us as Facebook ads. And we're not, there's not even a real call to action. Uh, there's like little lead generation ads we'll throw in there. Uh, but the bulk of my Facebook ads are just like, you know, hey, we're in your market. We're good guys. This is what we're about. And we're just like educating our area on who we are as a roofing company and why we think we're the best roofing company in the area. And when I, I like watch some... all the eyeballs that watch our videos, it kind of gets me excited because most people on Facebook don't need a roof right now. But mm -hmm. I know that we're becoming the most famous roofer in the area through our content. So, you know, when these people start to need roofs, they already know who we are. And I believe they probably like us through our videos. Uh, I love so your I brand colors. The long term, the long term uh, results of the marketing more than just give me leads tomorrow. Yeah, I think. I say that everything gets cheaper when you're not needing it right now. When you need it right now with the people that buy leads, you're over, you're paying a massive premium for probably shared leads because you need them now. But when we invest into our brand and all these long-term things, like it's just to me, the cost per lead is actually going down, but it's weird because it's actually a, a lead six months from now because you're building trust and trust also makes those deals easier to close. Like, can we get the deal 80% of the way before they even send us a message? And that's what I think what you're doing with the classic Joseph Hughes type shit. You know what I mean? Like, and, and beautiful. Um, I love your brand colors. And I wanted to compliment. There's so many really nice aspects of your website. Um, who did your website, by the way? Some, some guy when I was getting started. It looks pretty I good. Like I, I like work the with them anymore. To be honest, like I, I make a lot of changes on the WordPress still. I like the uh, like the the cute. Your like is it your daughters? Maybe no, nah, they're not my kids. My uh, my number two guy's daughters. But they it's like Uncle it's Andy. like heartwarming. Like I think more of our marketing could be heartwarming. I feel like that's like a beautiful uh, a beautiful thing. And then I just like, I like a lot of aspects of this. You did a very good job. And a lot of the things that you're changing on this, it looks, it looks nice. The one, I'll give you one recommendation here live on the podcast since good. I'm looking at it. Um, the testimonial section, uh -huh. I would just recommend adding a five star icon and like where it was left. So the Google logo and then five star icon, and then a picture for each person, just a picture of whoever it was. Right. Okay. That'd be my one thing. I call them a. If you do those two things, I call it a trustimonial. But not the just, not the Google not the Google widgets that like pull in the Google. Yeah, you could. You don't have to do that. You could just add it to the existing structure that you have. Just add a little circular picture of the homeowner. 
Uh-huh. I think like it, it draws the attention a little bit more. Anyways, it looks like you're doing incredible things with your marketing and it sounds like you're working with contractor dynamics, which I think is a really good choice. Yeah. Um, what are you learning in that on that front? I know Facebook ads is a big piece. Is there anything that you're learning on that that you, you know, just to give people a little taste if they ever want to work with contractor dynamics? Yeah, I mean, it's, they're kind of going, so we just started, but they put you through uh, like interviews in the beginning, you talk, and then they give you a six month plan with like target action items they want to take care of every mm-hmm. month out of the six. So it's very nice. detailed and there's a, there's a clear plan of what you're going to do. Like Google Analytics is in month three, like things like that. Um, but it's kind of if if you're a roofing uh, business owner and you want to bring marketing in house, yeah, uh, I would recommend them because they're basically teaching me how to build a real marketing department, how to track certain KPIs, what you should be looking at. Um, it's like an all inclusive. I'm basically building a market marketing department through that. Yeah, Home and shows, I think uh, just taking media, all of it. Taking responsibility is the thing that I always like, um, love that they do and push people. Like you're taking 100% responsibility yourself as a business owner. You're the general contractor of your marketing. And now you can divvy it up however you want. So if you get somebody internally, and frankly, we have a lot of overlapping clients with contractor dynamics. So like, or sometimes like SEO or PPC, maybe that's an outside agency, but like, I like the overlap that we have with them because I think our stuff stands up to scrutiny. You know, like if you look at our data and stuff like that, and I think ultimately we'll continue to make, you know, try to make our stuff um, beyond reproach. I guess that's a very Christian, my Christian upbringing way to say it. Um, We try to make it so unfuckwithable. You know what I mean? Like you can't fuck with us because we have legit metrics for, for what we're doing. I think, um, but I love contractor dynamics. So shout out to them. Um, this isn't a super long podcast and it's getting to the time that we had scheduled. So I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, Andy, what's your guys.com so people can go check it out and how should they connect with you? Foxhavenroof.com uh, and just Andy Keys on Facebook and the Andy Keys on uh, Instagram and TikTok. Awesome, guys. Go check his stuff out. If he's Dimitri's favorite content creator and roofing, you know he's doing something right. Can you give those one more time just so somebody doesn't have to rewind? Guys, go uh, follow him now. Foxhavenroof.com and then Foxhaven Roofing on all socials and then Andy Keys on Facebook, The Andy Keys on TikTok and Instagram. I learn best from just watching somebody who's at the top of their game. So Andy, continue elevating your game. There's roofers watching you. I know it's not, don't make your content just for other roofers, but I, I think it's a beautiful thing that you're really into making good content. And um, thank you everyone for watching. Podcast is put on by hookagency.com, hook agency all over social media. And please like the, the podcast, comment, subscribe, all of the things. And you guys have an amazing week. Bye. Thanks,